PulpMX Network Production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things moto-centric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Hey everybody, thank you for joining me once again. Another edition, another episode of the Rocky Mountain ATV MC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast. Presented by Fly Racing and Racetech. You guys know what I'm going to say. RockyMountainATVMC.com is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, ATVs, and street bikes. Low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three-day shipping over 75 bones. So easy to see why you should be shopping at RockyMountainATVMC.com. Go there, shop, save some money, be happy, live well. Rocky Mountain ATV. Of course, Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Go check them out. They have so much stuff on that website. Kick back 15 minutes, look around, go get that stuff. Flyracing.com is the best out there. Racetech, racetech.com. Go get your suspension fluids changed. Gosh, 20 hours. It's about time for some fluid swappage. Head over to racetech.com. You can look at their spring conversion table. You can see their engine services department is very cool. If you haven't listened to the Honda CRF250R project, go do that. Racetech has you covered in your engine and inside your suspension. They got you. Last but not least, ProTaper, ProTaper.com. You want some good dampening in your handlebars? You want some flex? You want some strength? They got it all, ProTaper.com. I'm an SX Race Evo and Fusion guy. Fusion is crossbar. Evo is crossbarless. So depending what type of rider you are, they got you covered over there at ProTaper.com. I appreciate you guys downloading this other episode that I managed to do while I was out in Lucerne Valley this weekend. I have been friends with Mark Correa for a very long time. Our friendship goes back to Jerry Bernardo. Jerry Bernardo and I did a lot of things here in the high des. Jerry lived in Asperia for many, many years, of course, you guys don't know Jerry, if you're younger generation, go search up Jerry Bernardo on YouTube. He was the host of MW2, which was Motor World 2. If you guys are familiar with Motor World, you guys should be because Red Bull Straight Rhythm just happened and Dave Despain was the host of Motor World. Well, there was a Motor World 2. Jerry Bernardo was the host of that. And Cato, which we call Mark Korea, that's his nickname. You'll figure out why in this podcast, but... Cato used to come and stay with Jerry. He went riding with us, trail riding. Jerry would have these <laughs> uh, elaborate trail rides that he used to put on for all of his buddies, which he used to make t-shirts and just do a lot of cool things when Jerry was up here. It was very fun to be around, and I got to know Cato a little bit. And I started to think another day when I was when I was out there in Lucerne Valley, I'm thinking, I see Cato out there. I'm like, God, think about all the shit. That this guy has seen. He's been doing it for over 30 years. He's been shooting photos before digital was even around. Before cell phones. He worked at Cycle News. Back when I was just like in love with Cycle News. I couldn't wait to get the newspaper in my mailbox on a Tuesday. 
I mean, literally, I used to look out the window and wait for my postal guy to come, and I used to meet him down the street, haul ass on my bicycle, meet him so I could get the cycle news and read it. Like, I loved it. It was the best thing ever. We talk about cycle news in this podcast. We talk about a stint at Dirt Rider, how we got in the industry, how we got into dirt bikes, some Jerry Bernardo stories, and just a lot of cool information came from Cato, and I really wanted to do a podcast with him because I feel like he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Like, he's he's been around a lot. He's been in uh, journalism a long time, plus photography. He was a freelancer. I think he is one of the OG freelancers out there. Now that freelancing is kind of a normal thing. He was doing that before it was cool, I guess, or other guys started doing it. So, yeah, I put together this podcast while he was here. He stayed with me over the weekend because I raced the National Heron Hound, and I thought you guys would be interested in hearing his backstory. So, if you guys don't know Mark Korea, you're about to get to know him, a.k.a. Cato. He's a good dude. Um, if you see him at an off-road race, say hi to him. He's a good dude. He loves to talk about dirt bikes. He's very intelligent, very happy person, and uh, I love that guy. He's a good dude. Quick story about Cato before I, we get on with this podcast. I remember I went and raced, I think, some race in Nevada. It was some off-road race in Nevada, and uh, Cato stayed with me. And uh, it was me and my girlfriend at the time and Cato. So Cato, obviously, we were in there hanging out the day before the race. It was the night before the race, and Cato went to take a shower. He went to the bathroom. Cato comes out. You know, he's getting ready for bed. Cato's just hanging out in bikini briefs, and I am tripping out. I'm like, what are those? He's like, it's my, my bed attire. So every time I see Cato, I always bust his balls about his bikini briefs that he wore to bed that night, and uh, he has – long flowing black hair and these bikini briefs. I'm like, man, you could have been a male stripper. Could have made some real cash with that stuff right there. So um, hope you guys enjoy this podcast. It's fun to do these. I don't do these that much, but since he was here and I was at an off-road race, I said, I decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to pop a lot of cherries right now because uh, <laughs> I don't do off-road racing that much and I don't do just one-on-one interviews that much. So it was fun to do. Hope you guys like and uh, we'll see you on the flip side next week. Special treat for everyone out there. Off-road legend. You know what I was thinking about when I saw you the other day at the Heron Hound? I was thinking, Hall of Fame is probably not that far off for you. <laughs> Does that mean I'm getting old? I mean, yes, you are getting <laughs> old. But I just feel like you've been around so long. So this is Mark Korea, everybody, in case you guys didn't read the heading on the title. I want to do a podcast with Mark Korea because he's seen a lot of things. And if you guys obviously know me through my podcast, I love talking to people that have uh, have experiences. And I feel like you've had a lot of those. I don't know. I've, I, I've wa- watched a lot of things. Yeah. So his name is Cato. That's what I call him. Explain why. You told me this the other night, but explain why your nickname is Cato. Back in uh, the, the Dirt Rider days when Tom Webb was editor – he and I would go to races together because he would be doing a race test and I would be the photographer and also do a race report. Uh, so kill two birds with one stone. And he didn't really like to drive, so he let me drive the rental car. And at that time, I, I kind of liked to drive at a brisk pace. So <laughs> he, it kind of unnerved him uh, several times. Yeah, And also out on the trail... I guess uh, I would be hiding in places that he didn't expect. <laughs> and 
I would shoot a picture and he'd see the flash go off and be so, just shocked and he'd lose concentration and flail. So the the nickname Cato comes from the Green Hornet uh, TV series driver who I believe was Bruce Lee. Oh, really? Yeah. Because Bruce Lee was uh, the Green Hornet's basically his chauffeur. Yeah. And then also Cato from the Pink Panther who is Inspector Clouseau's manservant uh, who Inspector Clouseau instructed to attack him without warning at any time. <laughs> great, great show. What's funny is it, what I was telling you last night is it stuck. And like yeah. no one ever – called. I never – honestly, I've been around a little while with you through Jerry Bernardo mm-hmm. and we've hung out. I've never heard someone called you by Mark. Yeah, I, I think only my sisters. <laughs> really? That's insane. All right, so give us some background on how you got into dirt biking. Obviously, you went to school to be a journal yep. or a journalistic mm-hmm. person. Yep. So uh, give us some background on that. Back when I was a, a little shaver, um, grew up on a a farm in Orange Grove. Yeah. And one of the chores that uh, my dad had me do was check water. Check the sprinklers uh, in the morning and in the afternoon. Make sure they were all turning and then there was no leaks or anything. And the best way to do that was on a motorcycle. So we had a couple of Honda step-through trail 90s at the ranch. And so I got to learn how to ride those. And uh, that was kind of fun. Yeah. But I didn't really... How old were you back then then? I think I was nine when I started. Okay. But I didn't really think much of it until... My parents took me to watch my cousin race for the first time. I think I was 13 at the time, and he he raced uh, TT scrambles, and also his cousin raced professionally uh, flat track. So I thought that was really cool. So after I saw that, I, thought, I want to race one of these days. Okay. Yeah. Did they, they buy you a bike, or did you have to earn it? To I, get... I, it was a, they pitched in money, and okay. yeah. So my first bike was a Yamaha 80 Trailmaster. What year was that? I think that was a 69. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then when I was a couple of years later, I got into high school, got a Husky 360 Cross, four-speed, shifts on the right, and that one, I was a sophomore. Okay. And that was a, a used bike traded in the Yamaha. Yeah. And then after high school, is it something that you wanted to do to be – in journalism, or is it something you've been interested in a while? Or no, um, actually, I, I'd never really th- thought about pursuing a career in journalism. Uh, for my eighth grade graduation, I think I had a class of fifteen or something. One of the things they asked us was, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" Uh, I don't know. Uh, I just threw it out there: photographer. Really? And so when I went to high school, went to went to college. Uh, there was no real major for photography at USC, so the next thing I saw on the list was, oh, cinematography. So I thought, I'll do that. So I did that for a couple of years, but wasn't really into it. And the middle of my junior or sophomore year, I thought, I want to change majors because I had taken a beginning journalism course. Okay. And that type of writing appealed to me. Okay. I had facts to work with. Right. Didn't have to be real creative. So I switched to journalism. You're still, and at this time when you're going through college and doing mm-hmm. these things, you still were writing? Yep, yep. Okay. Even, well, you, ha- 
even took my husky into a dorm room and left it there. Oh no way! Yeah. No way! <laughs> yeah. Is it? You didn't go upstairs or anything, right? No, I took the elevator. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, just put, roll it into the elevator. No one said shit. No, uh, really, yeah, it was awesome. Did it stink in there like premix? No, no. really, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So you're riding, going through college. And uh, at any point, did you ever go try a race at this time or no? My parents didn't really want me to race because uh, my cousin's cousin had suffered a broken neck at uh, oh. about a half mile one, one year or so. They thought it was way too dangerous. Uh, they didn't want me to race at all. They didn't mind me going to the desert and stuff. But they finally relented because I said, hey, I want to race. I want to race. And so finally, I think my senior year in high school, they let me do a – High school motocross at Carlsbad. Oh no way! I mean, so that was your husband. that was your first race. Yep. Oh man! So hard. Two pack. guys in the class. Two. Did you win? I do. I did win. So you won your first race at the hard pack grounds of mm. Carlsbad, California. But I think that's because the guy who, the other guy who was in the class, he won the first moto, but he packed up and left after that. It doesn't matter. You got to be in it to win it, Kato. <laughs> yeah. And you were in it. Then. I was there. All right. So you won Carlsbad. You're going through college. At one point, do you say, okay, I want to combine these two and do something with my life this way? And oh, wait, well, did, did you even know that was what you wanted to do when you got to college? Did no. you do something else? I thought with a journalism degree, I was just going to maybe get a job at the LA Times or something, some daily newspaper. Because right. at that time, newspapers were the big thing. Right. But um, I actually had started to freelance for Cycle News. Uh, what year was that? My senior year in college, because a friend had a friend who was covering CMC motocross at Carlsbad and Saddleback, and she had to go into the hospital that summer, so she wanted somebody to take over that beat for Cycle News. Right. And, but with the understanding that it would be hers again after she got after, out of, Okay, you know. she was just kind of like substitute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I thought, ah, I'd be fine. I'd like to do that, see what it's like. And so I did that for the summer. And she decided she liked her summer off and all her weekends off. So she said, keep on doing it. So, I, How much did you get paid back then per, per race? I think it was $25. No shit. Yeah. And were these the, the, the articles in the back of Cycle News, yeah. like the local, the local ra- races? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So each local race you hit up, you got 25 bucks. Yep. Wow. Yep. So you, you started grinding it out a little bit, mm-hmm. going to races. How, did you ever do a race and, and, and ride about the same day? Did you ever do it like that? No, no. So you, if you were going to race, you're strictly there to cover it, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so now you're at Cycle News. How long did that last you? Well, actually, i got to kind of back up a little bit. My first job out of college, uh, being that I didn't think I was going to be in motorcycle journalism, I thought, well, I'll just see what's out there and end up being a consumer affairs specialist for the Vivitar camera company. Oh, wow. And so I did that for a year, and then... I was freelancing at the same time. Uh, after about a year, a, a position opened up at Cycle News, and they called me and said, hey, Charlie Moore, who's the editor, said, hey, would you like to be an editor with us? Uh, I thought about it. And, yeah, that sounds like be a good idea. So I said, bye to Vivitar and hello, Cycle News. And January of 1980 is when my... Moto journalism career took off. 1980. Yep. How long were you at Cycle News? Two and a half years. Okay. And then Charlie Morey, the editor, he had left uh, and started Dirt Rider. And I was one of the first guys he called, hey, want to be on a magazine? And at that time, the the carrot 
was always to be on a magazine staff. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was that was prestigious, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So I guess Cycle News wasn't considered a magazine then because no. it was black and white or And it was a newspaper weekly okay. type thing. Yeah. You know? I just want to let you know that Cycle News was a huge part of my oh. my teenage years. Me too. Yeah. Like I my dad subscribed. Okay. And I remember Tuesday was the day I got Cycle News. Every day I was more excited to go to my mailbox on a Tuesday just to see who won the races, yeah. what went on. Yeah. And then, of course, that evolved into when I was racing and guys like you would be at the track that I knew were covering the race. To be able to get in the back of Cycle News at a local race. Get your name in the results or even better, get a picture. Oh, my oh. God. If you got a picture yeah. – I, I cut those sons of bitches out, and I use those things for, like, re when I send my resumes out. Oh, man. And so how many times I got in Cycle News that year. Wow. And that was actually a key factor in some companies helping me. Oh. So I think one time I had my pictures in twice in a year. Wow. And I was like, wow. So And I got 50% off of Ooh. maximum oil because yeah. of that. So I was in. So I just thought that was – Cycle News, man, I, I miss it. I mean, I know it's yeah. still digitally there, but yeah. – it's not the same. No, no. We're both – I'm older. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a, a feeling kind of guy. I like yeah. to feel the – Hands on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I just I just miss holding that, that newspaper and reading all everything about yeah. racing, you uh, know. So all right. Go to Dirt Rider. And so what's the guy's name again you said? Charlie Morey. Charlie Morey. Yep. Why have I never heard of that guy? Probably because he, he was more in the background. Okay. You know? So he started Dirt Rider? Yep. I'll be damned. Yeah. Okay. So you go there to Dirt Rider. He lures you over there. Mm -hmm. How was the experience of being in a magazine? It was great. You yeah, know? like it is more prestigious, and you, the like the picture quality and the, the print quality was higher. Right, being on coated stock and stuff. So was I was at Dirt Rider, obviously way after you. But was there anything drastically different going from Cycle News to Dirt Rider in your day to day? Not really. It, at at first, it wasn't really as busy because. Uh -huh. Cycle News, of course, is a weekly deadline in a magazine. A monthly magazine is every month you got a deadline. Right. So, so a little bit more time to do stuff. What was you, uh, So how long are you at Dirt Rider then for? I think like 14-plus years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what editors did you see through there? See, first was, it was Charlie, then Tom Webb came on board. And Charlie was still the editor, but or editorial director or something like that. Okay. And so Tom Webb came in in 87, and then... I think after that, Ken Fott was editor for a couple of years. So I you were there with the Ken Fott days? Yep, just for a couple of years, I think a year or two. Okay. Yeah. And then you decided to move on? or? Well, the company got bought out. and That was, At, the, that was the first of many times yeah, probably, uh, yeah. Uh, yep. So then they did they let you go because of that? Yep. Size cuts? Or, yeah. Because so. I'd been there about the longest, so I was drawing the most salary, and so they had to trim that. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that insane? That's corporate America, isn't it? Yep. Like, well, it, I don't even know if that's that nowadays because I've seen like guys that are up on the upper echelon of of pay, mm -hmm. and they don't even cut those guys. They keep those dudes yeah. and they start cutting the lower guy. And yeah. um, it's funny that they would cut someone that's been there for so long seniority. So did Tom Webb stay there? And for yes. and then Ken Fought came, and obviously he was there for a mm -hmm. little bit. Yeah. And then I I came in the Ken Fought years. Okay. I think after you did. Yeah. Um, being a test rider, because mm -hmm. was Carl there at the time you were there? Yes, yep. he was. Yep. Um, what's your what was your favorite memory being at Dirt Rider Magazine? Like, what's your most oh, fondest man. memory? The, 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 B 
being at the magazine afforded me so many opportunities, and it was just – it wasn't a, all fun and games, but it was really fun. Do you think Cycle News shaped more your career or Dirt Rider? Boy, it's a combination of both, really. Is it? Yeah. With Cycle News, you have that discipline to just pound out stories and get them done on deadline. Right. The magazine, you had a little bit more leeway. Because you had some more time. Mm-hmm. And you, even if, when you get back to the uh, the proofing stuff, it seemed like there was always, okay, we can make a change here and send it back on blue lines. Yes. You know? Yeah, that was <laughs> – man, blue lines was a nightmare for me when I was at Dirt Rider. Like reading the whole magazine yeah. and corrections, those two to three days were just like horrible. Yeah. You know? For, for some reason, I had a, a pretty good background in English probably through my my high school uh, classes and stuff. And so I didn't really mind uh, the copy editing part of it. And I guess I was pretty good at it. So Did you do most of the copy editing, or did you have several of you guys there do it? There were several. I mean, everybody read it. Okay. It usually seemed to be up to me to make the final copy edits. Yeah. So Okay, so that, that makes sense. When I was at Dirt Rider, we all had to read through the pages, yeah. and we had a check mark like – piece of, a stub yeah. that we all checked our name off of after mm-hmm. we read something so yeah. not much has changed there yeah. obviously all right so dirt rider days you move on where do you go what happens so after i got laid off i just said oh gosh i gotta do something and of course being in the motorcycle industry uh, journalism business for the most of my life i thought well this is what i know best this is probably what i should do and so i decided well i'll see if i can be a freelancer and what year was that? Um, end of 96, beginning of 97. Wow. So, gosh. So you started freelancing before most people started even doing that, right? Yeah, there wasn't yeah. very many of you no, out there. No, Who else was doing it besides you, if you remember? Was Kenny Jones around then? Yeah, Kenny. But he was just a photographer. Okay. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't do any writing. Right. Um, so you were kind of like the unicorn, I would assume, because you wrote yeah. and you shot. Mm-hmm. So... Not very many people could do that, and to at this that, to this day, there's still not that many people. Honestly, at that time, because of I think budgets and everything, um, in the dirt bike industry, an editor had to do both. Okay, as well as ride. You know, right. So that's that's a good question that I wanted to ask you. When did you learn or pick up test riding? Obviously, that was a requirement being yeah. at a magazine. Did you pick up on some of that as you were going along? or? Yeah. Uh, I, I wasn't any really very good at it. I started at Cycle News, of course, did a few tests, and then at Dirt Rider I got more involved. But as I as the years went on, I was more in the office doing copy editing and not so much out in the field doing testing. Okay. Did anybody kind of help you along with testing to kind of show you along the way or just kind not of really. trial by fire? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Just see. Okay, what's this guy doing, and how does he describe the bike, and what's he feeling on the bike? You know? If you can, you remember who your who were your like test riders back then at oh, the rider? Willie Simons, uh, oh, wow. and then Rich Taylor. Oh God! Is there any other person out there that has ridden more stuff than Rich? <laughs> I, I, dude has ridden so many things, like it's insane, and yeah. he's still riding a yeah. lot yeah. for how. And now his boys are racing. Right, yeah. it's insane. So. Freelance for you, 96, mm-hmm. NED? Yep. And then when did you start seeing it 
you know, oh man, I could actually do this and make money, and it's going to become it, some profit. Years, you okay. Know. So it took you a little while, mm-hmm. because of course at that time, uh, computers were still kind of new. Yep. No cell phones yet, really, right? No. no. And then, uh, you see, digital photography didn't really take off for a few years, and I got my first digital camera. I waited until about 2004, I think, was my first digital. Until then, I was just shooting rolls of Velvia. Well, let's talk about that. What? So you've seen the evolution of not not only our industry, but cameras as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. Is there some kind of joy back in the day to shoot film better than there is digital now? Or is everything just better now? I think everything's just better now. Yeah. Yeah. I see a lot of um, photographers now and social media people going back to film just for the different style of picture. It's a different look, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Is that just the younger generation because they yeah. weren't around it? So yep. it's something cool to them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Because I've always wondered that. Like, I'm older. I'm like, dude, we've been through that. Like, yeah. why would you go back to that way? Uh-huh. Yeah. And these younger kids are shooting on film. Like, dude, why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, did you ever shoot anything that you thought, hey, maybe this could be something I could get into besides dirt bikes while you're freelancing? Oh, yeah. That's one of the great things about freelancing is that it's afforded me the opportunity to do um, more variety of things, and what was your some of your favorite things you did besides dirt bikes? Um, got to shoot the Ironman triathlon, the World Championships in Kono. Oh um, wow! One year for uh, for for Power Bar. How was that? And it was just inspiring. Was it really? Because those guys are so gnarly. I know, man. I I watched some of this. Not to get on a tangent about something else, but you know, we sit there and watch these. You know, me and Heather watch this stuff on the on TV. Yeah, and the inspiring stories are the people way in the back. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like the guys are gnarly up front, like mm-hmm. you said. Yeah. But for me to watch an eighty-some-year-old woman complete that, yeah, is insane. Mm-hmm. So, did you get to shoot some of those people in the back too, or just mostly up the front? I was mostly up at the front. That uh, was my assignment. You know? Right. Did you ever get to do that? Because I know you were a big runner. I never really wanted to swim. Okay. And I, not really on into bicycles because. I don't like the hard seat. In your ass? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's it, tough to get through yeah, sometimes. Yeah. No thanks. You need to have a gooch that's tightened up for that thing, Kato. <laughs> so uh, what else did you shoot freelance? That you, did you shoot a lot, a lot of weddings? No, no. Really? Only a couple of weddings for friends. That's Dirt bike people probably? Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, I hear a lot of guys talk about how weddings are actually profitable. Because, yeah, that's why you hear. Yeah. So I didn't know if you were getting on that bandwagon or not. So yeah. obviously not too much. Yeah. So now we're here. Um, you've shot, obviously, supercrosses, motocrosses, ISDE, Heron Hounds. Road race, flat track, I've trials, hill climbs. What's your favorite form of shooting as far as in, in two-wheel form? Like, what's your favorite? I think I like shooting in the woods. Okay. Like the ISDE. Just the, because of the the conditions or the light or a little, well, one thing, six days, it being six days long, yeah, I get six days to sh- go around the countryside, find different locations, shoot different things. It, it's a lot of fun that yeah. way. Now you love to travel, you love experiencing all these things. I don't know if I love to travel, but it's just part of the job. Yeah, and you probably put a lot of miles on doing these things, right? Probably. Do you have? Do you have? Are you like a, a gold member on any kind of airline or anything? Lifetime gold in American. Are you really over a million miles? Flown. No yeah. way. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, it's commercial time. Hold tight. We're going to do a few commercials, save some money, and we'll be back with Cato. Thanks to the guys over at 6D Helmets. That's right. They're on board with the KieferInkTesting.com Kiefer Tested Podcast. We thank them for joining us. You have a street bike, a dirt bike, or do you pedal? You have a mountain bike. Head over to 6DHelmets.com. Check out the full line of helmets they offer. I'm sure they have a helmet for you. Hey, I get questions all the time. Kiefer, what helmet would you choose if you could pick one to buy? If you're going to spend your own money, Kiefer, where are you going? While there are a lot of helmets that are safe out there, okay, I do feel the safest in a 6D helmet. I've had many crashes in my ATR1. I've had a couple in my ATR2, and it has done its job. It's advanced ODS technology. It's race-proven. I'm telling you guys, and it's light. The new ATR2, it comes in at 1,480 grams. It's fully rebuildable. Very cool colorways. I trust the guys over at 6D Helmets. Maybe you guys should too. Hit me up over at chris at keyforinktesting.com. Maybe get a special discount code if you want to get a 6D. So please, guys, go check them out. 6D Helmets, hit me up. Tell me how you like yours. And if you don't have one, maybe go get one. Thanks, 6D. Hey, Heather. Hey, Chris. Did you know that every two-stroke KTM and Husqvarna come with a Vertex piston in the engine from the factory? No, I did not. 65 years ago, Vertex piston was founded in a small technical workshop in northern Italy. Today, because of the renowned reputation for exceptional quality, Vertex is an OEM supplier to KTM, Husqvarna, and more exotic brands like Beta, Gas Gas, and TM. No matter which brand of bike you ride with, when it's time to go ride or time to rebuild your top end... Vertex Pistons will have your engine performing better than new. To see their full range of two-stroke and four-stroke pistons in replica, high-compression, or GP-style configurations, visit them at vertexpistons.com or stop in your local dealer and ask for a Vertex Piston Kit today. And if you guys want a discount code, hit me up, chris at keyforinktesting.com, and I've got one for you. Save some money. Vertexpistons.com. Have you gone and looked at firepowerparts.com? Do yourself a favor. Go check it out. Batteries, oil, chains. The chains are really good. I have it on my YZ450F. They stretch initially, and then you don't have to adjust crap. Good, strong chains. Great batteries. Good oil. Go check them out. Firepowerparts.com. Want to look cool at the track or even in the Dez? FMFRacing.com has a bunch of apparel, and you can save some money on that apparel. By using the code Kiefer19, hats, hoodies, it is hoodie season, t-shirts, baby doll tees for your chick, go check it out, fmfracing.com, use the code Kiefer19, save some money, look cool, thank me later. We're back with Cato, thanks for listening. So you're going over into the ISD this year, where, where, are, we, where are we going this year, I'm sorry? Portugal. Portugal, yep. have you been there? Third time. Oh, third. Yeah, uh, the first time was 99, and I had just finished my stint at Australasian Dirt Bike. Okay. Oh, that's right. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So, why well, do you pronounce it? Australasian. Why is it Australasian? So, it's based on Australian magazine. Mm-hmm. So, why? Is it, what is Australia? Australasian comes from, uh, it's Australia, of course, and they also sell in New Zealand, but I guess that region is considered Australasia because okay. it's kind of South of Asia, oh, yeah. okay. a little bit related. So, talk to more more about that. So, how'd you get yeah. involved in that? Um. Almost like I got started with Cycle News. Uh, 
they needed a, a fill-in editor, basically, because they were in between. There was their editor, longtime editor, Andrew Club, was going to be doing something else. He was moving on, so they hadn't really figured out who was going to be the editor next. And so the, uh, I guess the director there, Vicki Houston, contacted me and said, hey, would you like to uh, be guest editor at ADB for a, a few months while we figure out who's going to be the next editor? I said, wow, that, what a great opportunity. Yeah, sure. So how long has that been going on? Uh, so left here in basically end of May of 99. Oh, wow. And they, they set me up with a little apartment. In a beautiful place called Palm Beach, which is north of Sydney, and it's I guess it's a very exclusive area where a lot of the rich and famous live. Really? Yeah. Balling out. Uh huh. Wow. I had my own little truck that they gave me for to commute back and forth to the office. No way. It was awesome. Best three months of my life. Wow. <laughs> and then you had to come back to California. Yeah. Like, oh shit. <laughs> but uh, I was only in California for uh, overnight. Yeah. And then they put me on a plane to Portugal and I covered the, wow. the Australian team that year. So how many ISDs have you been to? I think I, I counted it up last year for Tom Webb. Uh, I had been to 36, so this will be 37. Oh yeah. my gosh, dude. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's insane. I wish th- this could be a longer podcast because you've seen so many things like in off-road racing. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about how I just did a, an Heron Hound this weekend, and you're out here covering that, and Danny Hamill, yep. Dan Smith, Dan Smith, Dan Ashcraft, Ashcraft, Ty, Larry, yeah. Oh, yeah. all these legends. guys, legends, and you've been through it, and you've, you interviewed him, you shot photos, and do you have a, just a shit ton of backlog? No, because most of the old stuff uh, I shot when I was, of course, a dirt rider or even cycling before that, and... The pictures all belong to them. They so they've got all the negatives. So they had the property. Slides, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so I remember. Quick story. I remember going to Joe Bonello's house oh, yeah. in Apple. Have you been to Joe's house? <laughs> no. I walk into this other room, and it's like his living room and his kitchen. Then there's like a dining area, and his whole dining area is just photos, old photos of backlogs oh. of so much shit. So I sat there one day. Must have been almost three and a half hours Whoa. and just gone through all of, and it's, there's so much gold in there, Kato. Oh yeah. So much mm-hmm. really cool things that he's seen yeah. and shot. And I've always, I always told Joe, man, please don't ever get rid of the stuff. Yeah. Give me whatever you don't want them. I will take them mm-hmm. because man, all the memories that you've guys, like I can't even imagine all the things that you've seen and been through good and bad, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's really respectful. And, to do this on your own, to make money, to hustle, because we talked about this as far as like, oh, I see Cato shooting photos. He gets to shoot and go all these tra- – you travel and do these cool things. But then Cato comes back to the house after the race. He's up until 1 o'clock in the morning doing everything you have to do to turn it in. And I yep. think because of those cycle news yeah. ways, uh-huh. that just instills all that in you. Yeah. You know, Get your stuff done. Yeah. And now, for me, I can kind of relate a little bit more. I didn't understand it, I guess, back mm-hmm. then, what you can do. But for me, living in this digital world we live in now, that you have to have yeah. shit all the time, next day, next yeah. day. Uh-huh. When's it up? Is it up? <laughs> Everyone's trying to beat each other to the punch. Yeah. Um, but it's cool that 
Cycle News, you do stuff for Dirt Rider, Dirt, Ride, Dirt, Dirt Rider, that yeah. still covers these National Hare and Hound yeah. events. Because yeah. I feel like there's not, even though they still do, there's not enough media publications out there to kind of yeah. show what that is like out mm-hmm. there. So it's it's cool that you guys are still doing it and doing all of that. Yeah. Um, a mutual friend that we share is Jerry Bernardo. Yep. Jerry lives in Australia now. He's not here. I spent many years. He was in the high des. Obviously, you used to come up to Jerry's a lot and stay there. Um, give me your first how you met Jerry and then your best Jerry Bernardo story because <laughs> I'm sure you got some in there. Um, let's see. It was back in the, I think, the early 90s, early to mid-90s. I went back to Massachusetts. And I forget. No, so we're in the 90s, so we're peak Jerry mode. Then. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this was when Jerry was yeah. at his finest. Yes. His most uninhibited. <laughs> yes. And so I went back. I think it was for the Boston Marathon to, to shoot that. And then also I was going to hook up with Kevin Hines, and we were going to go ride. Yeah. And he said, yeah, we're going to go ride this uh, race in New York called Catra. And on the way, we got to swing by and pick up a buddy of mine. Okay. And so that buddy is Jerry Bernardo. Jerry. And that was my introduction so <laughs> did he say anything right away to you or was he like was he just quiet or I don't think Jerry was ever quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cuz for those of you guys listening and don't know Jerry, just go YouTube Jerry Bernardo <laughs> on some old Motor World 2 yeah. episodes. Mm-hmm. It, he was the original like you when he interviewed riders or he did his show, you never knew what you're going to get. Yeah. You know, and he lived close by me and Jerry was all personality. He yep. had so much energy. Yep. He was shock, jock, value <laughs> all the time. Things that he said, I was like uncomfortable at times. <laughs> but man, the guy has a huge heart. Mm-hmm. Would Definitely. do anything for anybody. Yep. Uh, he did a lot for me. Did a lot for you, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, what about stories with Jerry? Anything that sticks out in your mind? Like, man, this is something that I need to share. One thing that I, I wasn't actually witness to, but he relayed the story to me, was uh, him and then some of his New England buddies went down to Daytona for Bike Week one year, and one of the guys had a broken hand, a broken wrist, so he had those fixator rods coming out of the hand and stuff. And of course, at that time, they were getting drunk and passing out. So, <laughs> so the guy with the broken wrist, he's he's passed out, and his buddies thought, oh, this is going to be funny. So they took a lighter and heated up those rods. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. No way. Yep. I just uh, – one of the Jerry stories that I remember is uh, he was – Jerry drank a little bit in his early years and then was just yeah. stopped drinking all. He didn't do anything. No drinking, no drugs. Yeah. And uh, he, he, at the time he was drinking, he was telling me – I didn't know Jerry when he was drinking. I knew Jerry post-alcohol, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So – he said him and his brother and some friends were out camping in a tent out somewhere in Massachusetts, and they had a big bonfire, and they were raging, and, and one of his buddies has a taser gun. Have you heard this story? Yes. <laughs> and uh, he told him, he's like, if you tase me, I'm going <laughs> to fuck you up. Yeah. You're dead. And uh, they were all drinking, of course, and I guess at some point in the night, that guy tased Jerry, and uh, fast forward to the morning, and he says, I remember peeking out the tent the the bomb the campfire smoldering and smoke coming out and he hears the the other tent across from him unzip and he's this guy sticks his head out and he's all bruised up he has a black eye has a fat lip 
And Jerry looked at him. He's like, what happened? He's like, I tased you. <laughs> his, his, his buddy goes, I tased you. And he's like, well, I told you. He tased me. I want to jack you up. So he jacked him up. But Jerry, man, I we I miss seeing Jerry a Definitely, lot. Definitely. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a good dude. And, mm-hmm. uh, man, you you both have been around for a long time in the sport. Um, All right. So now we're here. Uh, just completed the last National Heron Hound of the yeah. year. So where are we at? How long are you going to do this, Cato? You've been doing it how many years now? 30? Since 96, basically. So, yeah, know, 30. I don't know. I'm, I'm not good at math. Yeah. So how long do <laughs> you want to keep doing this thing? I don't know. I, I, you don't really make a whole lot of money doing this. It's basically for the love of the sport. So Yep. Uh I'm sure I've got a few more years left in me. Yeah, you can't leave. We need yeah. your we need your uh, articulate ways that you you put things. Um, I love reading your stuff on social media. I think it's awesome how you relate things to um, just to the race in general, like how you put the race and you cover the youth stuff. Uh, you cover not just the top finishers, but you cover a wide spectrum of people. I think it's cool. And uh, man. To, to to have you not in our sport would bum me out. So hopefully <laughs> you. you stick around a lot. Thank you very much. Now I'm going to ask for advice. Okay. So you're doing this on your own. Yep. How 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 not say how do you do it, but it's tough for me. I got to hustle. You got to hustle. How do you put money away to save enough to get you by when you're done with this thing? Because it's tough for me to do that. You know. Boy, that's a good question. And. <laughs> probably should ask a financial advisor <laughs> i don't say very much I, but i know. feel like man you've been in the game a long time you're doing it you're still still doing it so uh i like that i respect that so man it, it's got to be uh hopefully one day someone will be interviewing me just like i'm interviewing <laughs> you and be like man i hope you never leave Kiefer. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so last thing i want to ask you that i've been wondering favorite race you've ever been to Definitely the ISDE. That's the ISDE. So you're more off-road oriented at heart. Yeah. I, I When I first started, I was hired as the uh, motocross editor for Cycle News, and I covered the motocross and supercrosses. Uh, but as a freelancer, I saw that there were more and more guys trending towards motocross, and that plus the regulations and stuff, that the, uh, the rules that at supercrosses were making it not fun to be at. Right. So I said, oh. Off road because there didn't seem to be the, that many people covering off road and specializing in that. So I said, I'll do that. And it for me, it's more fun because I think there's more um, opportunity to get different shots. And I like the the family atmosphere at these races. Plus, there's not a whole lot of big crowds I'd have to fight through. That's funny, sex. I just talked about it on my podcast today. It's it's a it's a family atmosphere in off road racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually related it to a marathon when you finish one of these races. Mm-hmm. It's a personal satisfaction. Yeah. It's yeah. not glitz and glamour. There's not a tons of people out there, yeah. you know, clapping for you and you get to the finish line. You want to explain to people what just happened to you in the three hours that you did. And there's not many people to So it's more of like, hey, I just ran a 26.2. Mm-hmm. I did it on my own. I experienced it self-satisfaction. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of like off-road racing. And for me... Off-road racing, you have more as a as a journalist, you have more opportunity to tell stories. I feel like yeah. for off-road racing, uh-huh. 
there's a lot more storylines. There's a lot more meat and background in these yes. off-road races than there are in Supercross, Motocross. Yeah. yeah. So, um, best ISD you've been to, or the most memorable one for you? The first one in Australia, I think. What year was that? Ninety-two, I believe. Yeah, ninety-two. Why was that most memorable? First time I'd ever been to Australia. Okay. And first time they'd ever hosted the thing, and. The U.S. team was at uh, some place out in the country. Like there were a lot of vineyards around. It okay. was in the, the Hunter Valley region of New South Wales. Apparently, that's a, a vineyard region. Uh-huh. It was pretty cool to walk out in the, your door in the morning and see vineyards with kangaroos hopping around. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's right. I've never been to Australia. I'd love to go. Um, I want. I'd always want to go to the Fink race. Oh yeah. Have you yeah. been to that? No, never been. To- I went to the press conference when i was there okay and they sent me it uh i was surprised because fink itself reminded me so much of borrego springs out here yeah yeah the, the same sort of hills and dry the the, the landscape yeah. yeah that's crazy yeah. Huh. um so where can people look at your photos and what's your social media i have a facebook page but that's private and it's so you can't really see very many of the pictures unless you're tagged on it um, Instagram? Instagram, Cato.photo. Cato.photo. Yep. If you see a long-haired, locked, <laughs> tan man, beautiful, beautifully just golden brown person, that is Cato. Go say hi to him. He's very, very friendly. Chances are he will uh, talk to you about tactical wear, maybe some guns. Maybe. You're a very good shooter, aren't you? I've been. T- I've never seen you shoot, but I've heard that you're very good. How many how many guns do you have? I lost most of mine in a boating accident. <laughs> That's awesome. You, uh, I, I go out with my buddy Greg, and he's the captain of SWAT, and I got to oh. shoot a huge. I, I'm not a big gun guy, but I, maybe an AR, a huge mm-hmm. AR. Yep. It's insane how much power those guns have. It's crazy. It's fun to do. So maybe I should do that more. My wife's all about it. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm the softer one in our family, so maybe you guys, maybe you could show her a thing or two. She'd probably like that. <laughs> All right, Cato. Well, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. My pleasure. And uh, hopefully we'll see you at the Heron Hounds next year. Okay.